Hi, it's Eddie Brennan from the Shelter Island Gazette. In episode two of Life Between the Ferries podcast, I'm inside the windmill at Sylvester Manor Educational Farm with one of its co-founders, Bennett Konezny. He is also known as their, what is it? Ambassador. Ambassador, that's it. And so we're inside the windmill. And what is the uh, name you refer to this windmill by? It's been referred to over the years mostly as the Shelter Island Mill. I think of it as the Shelter Island Community Mill because it was the mill that was used to grind flour for all of Shelter Island's farms. And it was built by Nathaniel Dominey V. Right. Nathaniel Dominey V was part of the, the Dominey family of woodworkers from East Hampton. He's known as the uh, one, you know, one of the finest woodworkers during America's golden age of woodworking, uh, which you know, they were actually famous for making clocks and other really high-precision wooden machinery. The mill was sort of their bid to go big into sort of industrial-scale production, or not industrial, but large-scale production, and uh, it had a lot of the same principles as a clock, gears and, and uh, wheel, like these big wheels. And um, so I think, you know, it was natural that they would move into building mills, and they built several mills on the, that still exist on the East End, including the Hook Mill, at the east side of East Hampton, which is the mill most similar to this one that I'm standing in. I can see what you mean. Standing inside this mill, it does have the feeling of being inside a clock. Yeah. Of being inside a giant clock uh, with wooden gears above our head. Um, now, are these gears original to the mill? Yes. Yeah. Uh, although I believe we're, we're standing here looking at the bottom side of these millstones and to the west of the millstones are a particular gear which is part of a capstan which turns the turret or the the very top level of the mill so that it can face into the wind and um, this particular gear that that we're looking at is sort of painted red and uh, it's a little smaller than some of the other gears in the building and I think this one may be a newer reconstruction this particular gear but all of the rest of the gears are, in fact, uh, original. And this one, maybe only parts of it are, are reconstructed. I'm not entirely sure. And certainly the drive shaft is original to, mm-hmm. that, to that capstan piece, to this, which goes all the way up to the top floor. Do you happen to know what kind of wood the gears are made out of? I believe they're white oak. White oak. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's you know, one of the great advantages of Shelter Island and the East End, as opposed to other places up and down the eastern seaboard, is we have amazing white oak. And it was one of the reasons why the Sylvesters settled here to begin with, to build barrels for their sugar operation in Barbados. Uh, but then you see it used in all sorts of other ingenious ways, and it's, it's notable for its strength. You know, hearts of oak is, is uh, an expression not for nothing, because mm-hmm. it's so strong. Uh, there's a there's an enormous uh, pillar in the center of the of the mill, uh, which is obviously white oak as well. I would say, correct? Yeah, yeah it looks like it, and it that's called a king post, it's for, I believe, and uh, it holds up the uh, apparatus up above, which allows the the mill the, the top of the mill to swivel into the wind. And there's a whole gearing up on the top floor, which we'll go see, which which, uh, because of this post, allows allows it to... Everything swivels. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's Incredible. kind of amazing, the entire thing. Well, we're, we're standing in the second floor of the Shelter Island windmill, and 
we just walked up this quite steep set of stairs with cupped out indentations on each uh, step because uh, this is one of the few mills that doesn't have, there are three mills that don't have, on the east end, that don't have a mechanical way of getting the grain up to the second floor where the grindstones are. We're standing here in front of these big cased, wooden encased grindstones. And so you can imagine the miller hoist, you know, a 50-pound bag of grain on his shoulders walking up those stairs and eventually, you know, with leather-soled shoes wearing away at the stairs over the years. And uh, we still have those original steps. And if you stand next to the um, grindstone, you can see there's some, or you, and you can feel it really well with your feet. There's impressions where the miller used to stand there, and we still have that. It's really feels so, it's not only time-worn, but worn by the body and the processes of the people who are working in here. You can also see where there was a little rope that, that hung down off the sluice way that the grain would go down onto the grindstones. And the rope had a weight on it, and it would force the sluice way to jiggle back side and side, back side to side, sort of jiggle the, jiggle the grain down into the center of the grindstone and make that, that noise right there. And that cut these grooves in the side of the casing where that, that uh, hung down. <laughs> um, are these grindstones original? Yes. Wow. So these date back to 1810. Yeah. Holy and and each stone each stone is actually two stones. There's a capstone and a bedstone. And the capstone sits and in both of them have these special grooves cut into them, mm-hmm. which is the is the classic grindstone pattern you sometimes see in logos and and even pictures of of millstones. Well, the capstone rides on the bedstone and those grooves the grain goes down into this hole in the middle of the stones, hits the bedstone, and then travels out the grooves. As they spin, they, they actually chop the grain into smaller and smaller pieces. And so that's an essential part of the grinding process. It's not two smooth stones grinding on each other. It's actually the slicing motion, which mm-hmm. they say is, is essential to really cutting the, the grain down, especially in the first stage. Once it's ground, what becomes the grain then? Well, it goes out... Um, it's sort of pushed to the outside of the stones, which are, you know, spinning, of course. And it pops out the side here. You can kind of see from here, it's actually a pretty good angle. Um, it emerges from between the two stones and drops down this chute. Um, it, it's actually it's a case, a sort of, it, it, it piles up in the casement and then drops down this chute down onto the first floor where there is a sifter, a big, a big sifter, essentially, that... Uh, you can it, it goes in one end, and the sister's slanted a little bit, and so gravity pulls it along gently down a, a muslin cloth-encased um, octagon sifter, which mm-hmm. spins using power coming from the main... It's a power takeoff of the main drive shaft, mm-hmm. and, um, or it's actually not the main drive shaft. It's, the, it's whatever you call this section just below the main drive shaft. And um, you can turn it on or off, and these long belts go down to the sifter. So it takes power from, you know, the original uh, source. And the the miller's job was so interesting because he was paid in a percentage of what he ground. And he would sell it out the side door to people who weren't, you know, who weren't farmers or weren't grinding. If you just wanted to come buy flour, you could buy flour directly from him, that he would take a percentage from everybody who would come through. And that would be how he'd make money. 
Okay, so, so the, a farmer so might the milled have... flour, he would get a bag per right, some, X amount. Some quantity, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And then he, so he could sell that himself. That's what I've and, heard. And that's how he made money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay, on up to the third floor. Yeah. We're back and we're up on the third floor of the Shelter Island. Okay, so it's wild up here. We're sort of standing in the half light. And looming above us is an enormous uh, set of gears, which uh, is pinned into the main drive shaft using some large wedges. And uh, they're, I think there are 90, something like 90 teeth that goes around, going around here. Um, I actually haven't counted them exactly. I, for some reason, I have that number in my head. Looks like a pretty good guess. Yeah. Oh. Uh, does, let's say dozens of teeth, and each one of them is wedged in to the, to the main sort of wheel that comprises the base, sort of the main bulk of this, of this gear. And it's all fit together using tongue and groove, uh, timber frame, peg technology. Tree, these are called tree nails or trunnels, mm-hmm. which are just big nails made out of wood. Right, they and, look like dowels. Yeah, they're essentially big dowels. They would have been handmade using draw draw knives and using um, cut down uh, like one inch stock from oak oak material. I believe it's oak, although it might be a different wood. But uh, that the trunnels are made, the trunnels are made out of. Right. I think they may have been made out of um, elm and at some at some point maybe or chestnut or something because. Mm-hmm. They do appear to have less grain than the oak they do, uh, don't they? wheel itself. Our, our windmill uh, restoration guy will definitely know all about these, which, what woods these are. Anyway, they're, they're stuck. They're amazingly sound. They're really, um, they're not, they don't seem to be loose in the gear here. This gear <laughs> looks in great shape. Looks in great shape. Each one of the gears, uh, the gear teeth themselves is, is, I believe, white oak, and it's beveled gently. There's like a, a slight bevel on the, on the corners of all of them, and that's because they fit in the gears on this post at the center of the mill that rests on the king post, and this post turns. Um, and so these teeth turn that entire, it's got to be a foot and a half in diameter, almost two Easily, feet in diameter. Yeah. Uh, that whole thing turns, and you can imagine what this building feels like as what? it shakes. And it sounds like. And sounds like, right? Now, I've got a funny story about that. The Shelter Island um, Boy Scouts came to visit probably around 2008 and tour the mill because the guys who were uh, in charge of the scouts that year had come when they were kids to Sylvester Manor to see the mill. And my great uncle had fired up the mill that year because they had just done some restoration work and wanted to really get the thing going. And uh, he said, I think he must have done it in dramatic fashion because <laughs> maybe they had never done it before, but the kids were there and they said, let's fire up the mill. And, and they got it started and it was squeaking like mad. It was making a total racket, so they shut it down right away. And that's because apparently you're supposed to wax these gears or lubricate the gears with pig fat. And um, they hadn't done that. 
think that's the main, that's All right. really it for this floor. We're back on the second floor and we're looking up at the uh, horizontal gear and a long uh, joist that goes the width of the mill. And in the joist is carved 1810. And, and uh, Oh, yes. We always, there's a plaque on the front of the mill which says that the mill was built in 1795, erroneously. Mm. And um, that's what everybody thought around here. Everybody said, oh, it's a 1795 mill. And you see it printed still. I've seen that. I've read that in one of my uh, pieces of research, but everything else said 1810. That's right. So uh, we found that mark and, you know, that was like definitive. That was very definitive. Mm -hmm. There was a question for some time. Was it 1795? Was it 1810? Because we'd seen both. And that, that mark there makes it clearly definitive 1810. Even at 1810, it's one of the oldest uh, surviving mills of the 11, right? Yep. If not the oldest? Not the oldest, but one of the oldest and and definitely uh, the most intact. Right, right. Uh, the other thing I wanted to show you is how these gears, now we're back to the gears that right. engage the the cap, the stones. The grinding stone gear. Mm-hmm. Um, you can see this piece of wood here is a, a, a shifter. It's a shifter, and if you step just out over there, you can actually see there's a handle there you can reach up and grab and shift this thing. You can actually hold onto that, and then you can, if you pull this out, you can Mm -hmm. actually shift this thing in and out of gear. It's like a clutch or something. Oh, wow. So you can engage and disengage each stone independently as you like. So I might want to stop grinding green on this particular grindstone right. and keep going over here. Right, because if you were just grinding for no reason, it'll make it dull and take power away from right, the, right, the works. Right, of course. A lot of power. Yeah. Just, I, I mean, the power that it takes would take to turn these things and keep them going. Right. Uh, it's... Uh, what a what a feat of engineering it really is. And in the in the eighteen forties, fifties, and sixties, I believe they were milling like six hundred bushels, or so or so, in this mill, for Shelter Islanders, per per year per year. But uh, in interestingly, in East Hampton, in the Hook Mill, it was something like five thousand bushels. So this had sort of less use, mm-hmm. I mean, it was much smaller population on the island, right? But still, 600 bushels is not nothing. I mean, that's, right. a, lot of, that's a lot of grain. That's a lot. Um, especially they didn't have machines to harvest it. It was all grown and harvested with the use of horses and by hand. There's a little hole uh, cut in the sheathing or the siding, the sheathing, where they would have had a little wood stove here, which is kind of fun to imagine. Because um, they, you know, they were milling, even when it got cold this time of year, they would have just kept going. even on it. So when it got cold... They needed a little stove. Just above that, there's a shingle resting on a diagonal cross brace, and uh, it has some writing on it. It says, roof shingle from 1950 blank (laughs) to October 1993. Abe Scheibel and Eb Case working for Milton Sherman and H.O. Dickerson. And these are all great Shelter Island names. Oh, you're not kidding. And then on the back side, it says... New roof, September October 1993, by E. Case Builders and Ken Martinson, 
should last until 2018 plus. Wow. <laughs> and that's this year, right? <laughs> How great is that? That's amazing. Should last until 2018 plus. And that's it. Next, next year, we're going to put new shingles on. Good guess. Pretty <laughs> so good, pretty good really, estimate. And Evan Case is, was, is a notorious uh, Shelter Island uh, builder. He's gone now. He lived to at least 93 years old. and So he put on the, the shingles in the 50s and then came back in 93 and did it and left that as a little note to us, right. to everyone. You know, get ready to re- replace these shingles in 2018. That's awesome. <laughs> That's fantastic. So I, I'm hoping that... Uh, Whoever does the shingling, we gotta oh, we gotta make do another do that, yeah. shingle. Add it to the collection. Okay, we are back outside uh, the mill now, over by the uh, CSA farm stand, um, several hundred yards from the mill, and uh, I wanted to just ask Bennett a few final questions before we say goodbye. Uh, the first is the Shelter Island Mill is the logo for the Sylvester Manor Educational Farm. How important was it symbolically to restore it to working condition? Uh, it, it was one of my biggest priorities, personally. And um, it makes so much sense in so much as our mission is to preserve, cultivate, and share historic Sylvester Manor, ensuring that food and art remain connected to community and the land. And the mill historically has been one of those key connection points on the island. Islanders coming together through the act of growing and sharing food, uh, being connected with their place, and the art of the of the craftsmanship in the mill itself. You know, is connecting food and the land and community. It's just the perfect symbol for all that we want to do. And and also, if you think about bringing the the heritage, the best of, of the past into the present and into the future. It just made so much sense. So uh, that's A, why we made it the logo. Also, it's the most visible part of Sylvester Manor. If you're, if you're driving by Sylvester Manor, this is the field, this is what you see. You don't see the house, really, from the road, but you can see this. You can see the windmill. And so we just, it just seemed like the perfect logo for us and also as we work towards restoring the big manor house which is going to be a multi multi million dollar project we thought we'd cut our teeth on this project you know as our first major restoration project it's you know in the we still need to raise money for this it's going to be 300,000 plus to do this but it's not going to be the 10 million dollar project mm-hmm. that the manor house is going to be so we can kind of get our feet under ourselves and then start, get the thing working again. Start milling flour, make, being able to grow our own grain, mill it here and sell the flour and maybe even work with local bakers to bake a Sylvester Manor bread, a Shelter Island, entirely Shelter Island raised. You know, it's just like, be amazing. it's gonna be really cool. A real asset to the island. How do you visualize um, employing a miller? Yeah, well, that's, I've thought about that a lot <laughs> because obviously we don't have one already. In, in although there are probably people who grind flour on their countertops, there are these little countertop grinders, millers that you can buy and mm-hmm. clamp to your countertop. Mm-hmm. I bet somebody on the island has done that. Uh, 
but I imagine we'll find somebody on the island. We'll we'll have to raise the money or create a budget that includes sales of flour, just like the old days, yeah. um, which covers the the person who will want to operate and uh, that mill. And so that would be one reason why we have to actually, to me, to it's not just this one-time restoration of this mill. We want to think on the 300-year scale, mm-hmm. which this, this property is 300 years old. That mill is over 200 years old. Mm-hmm. And if we want to make it sustainable, we actually have to think about the next restoration project and keeping the cultural assets alive, the people and the knowledge, the sort of soft knowledge that it takes to run and repair that thing alive. So by creating a cash flow using flour and grain mm-hmm. through the mill, we'll be able to teach somebody on the island here, get them to learn how to mill. Maybe we'll send them out somewhere to learn how to mill to some other mill, maybe to Holland, Mm -hmm. to learn how to mill and come back and have it be, you know, it might be a part-time job. It might be somebody, something somebody could do in their retirement. If they, you know, retire at 65, they could Mm -hmm. put in 10 years as a miller, that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. I think that'd be a pretty cool job, right? Well, you're talking (laughs) to a 64-year-old retired guy right here, so... Um, so is there a grinding season? I mean, is, is uh, autumn the time when I think this typically is this is... So, so you wouldn't be grinding throughout the summer. Right. No, especially in, in the, this day and age. I can imagine back in the day, it, it may have been more expensive if you wanted to mill in October when everything was ripe and everybody had their grain. So some people might have saved their grain. It's probably better to save your grain in grain form and mill it a little bit at a time over the course of the year. Mm -hmm. So back in the day, I bet they would have ground more year round, maybe heavier in the fall and maybe take a little break in the winter when it's really cold Mm -hmm. and then a little more in the spring. Mm -hmm. But I can imagine us kind of maybe we fire it up for a couple months in every fall mm-hmm. and maybe do little batches throughout the summer as demonstrations mm-hmm. but then you know do a huge batch in the fall i don't know we'll see be unbelievable we'll I mean, see how it goes but the idea is we create a system a business and an educational system for that mill that lasts the test of time and by the way that begins with islanders saying yeah let's buy this flower because it that drives the entire system. Hundred percent. Yeah. Um, so that'll be it'll be fun to teach. That means everybody's got to learn to bake again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the end result of that will be fields of amber waves of grain. Amber waves of grain. And people in the community who know how to use and repair that mill, and everybody will be enjoying delicious biscuits. <laughs> okay. So so um, what's wrong with so that? You, so you grind various kinds of grain. Mm-hmm. Do you anticipate baking Sylvester Manor bread here well, or? The original vision when I moved here 10 years ago was that around this field, we might, or in this area where we are right now, we might uh, start a, a bakery of some kind or have a, uh, maybe a brick oven or a mud oven that we could bake bread, maybe make pizzas or something like great. that. It smelled great. It amazing. Yeah. Um, hey, I, I have one um, maybe final question. When you were a child, on mm. this property, yeah, and uh, with your aunt Alice, mm. right? Um, did you ever venture into the mill at, uh, on occasion? Yeah. So I didn't spend a lot of time here as a kid. Mm-hmm. It was really just a handful of visits mm-hmm. until I was eighteen, and then when I was eighteen, I spent the entire summer here working on the archaeological dig. 
so until I was 18, I never went in there. But when I was 18, I definitely went into that mill and it just lit me right up. I mean, this is like, I love the, I could see, immediately see the potential and imagine that vision of maybe we're, we're serving pizzas right here that have made from grain that we grew right there and milled in that mill and people are enjoying it as the sun sets. You know, I mean, that to me seems like a positive vision and it seemed like it then and it still seems like it now. Yeah, it, it seems like it's coming together, and, and I, I mean, you know, it has come together in so many ways already. But when the when the symbol of Sylvester Manor is restored to what the logo yeah uh, looks like, that's right. That's going to be a special day. <laughs> be a uh, day. When when do you uh, anticipate? completion of the project well reshingling uh, and everything done so we're finishing right now the mill is jacked up and we've just poured footings under there the concrete footings go i don't know like five or six feet down below the frost line they're going to have little stones uh that traditionally that mill is just rested on field stones so they'll it'll continue to rest on field stones but they'll be anchored by cement uh then uh Next spring, we, we hope to do the siding, any siding that needs repair and new shingles. And then um, after that, we start addressing the gears and building mm-hmm. the sails and putting in a new drive shaft. And that's the Jim Cricker experience right mm-hmm. there. We can use a local contractor uh, to do the sheathing and the siding. I mean, in the, yeah, in the siding, the shingles. But the Jim Cricker, we need Jim to do the the gears and mm-hmm. uh also i think he he will teach us how to run it right so and he's not getting any younger you know so right, of course so we're really i'm i'm hoping that we can get my personally would love to see that happen you know next summer and fall right. as soon as we're done with the outside um but i think a lot will depend on how much money we can raise to do it uh we've got a big fundraiser planned for end of next august for mm-hmm. that and uh We'll see. Maybe we can get it all done in one fell swoop and, you know, finish it off. I think it'd be... Next year's the 10th anniversary of the founding of the nonprofit, Sylvester Manor Educational Farm. And it would be cool if in that year we can get those gears fixed up. I think it's a little ambitious. It might have to be the next year. Stephen Stephen will be able to tell you more. Um, Stephen Searle, our executive director. Uh... But even if we get started on that next year and we're milling the following year, that would be pretty special. It would be. Bennett, thank you very much for doing this. Uh, I'll be talking to Stephen. Yeah, beautiful. All right, thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to Sylvester Manor Educational Farm for allowing us into the mill for this special podcast. Thanks also to co-founder Bennett Konezny and the staff at the farm for their help. You can find out more about the farm and the mill online at sylvestermanor.org. And you can always find out where to go and what to do on Shelter Island in the Shelter Island Gazette at shelterislandgazette.com. I'm Eddie Brennan, and thanks for listening to our podcast, Life Between the Ferries. <laughs>